What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 135 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. We have been away for a little while, but we are back. This is like a Monday rundown mixed with an NFL Wednesday mixed with everything. Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about last week's playoff picture, and then we followed it up by giving our predictions for this coming week. After that, we talked about some of the head coaching hires, including the Giants head coach hire. Following that, we talked college football playoffs, which we will talk again on Monday. And then we went around the NBA. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. If you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, everybody. Welcome everybody back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here. It's 2020. It's the first pod. It feels damn good to be back on the air. Um, a lot of shit to talk about. Tom, Happy New Year, brother. First time seeing you. What's up? Happy New Year. Hope everybody had a good holiday. I see you're drinking Dunkin' Donuts. Did you happen to pick up a donut and start to uh, prep for the, the extravaganza that I'm going to put you through? Uh, no. Uh, I'm going to just go into that and just get killed. Um, okay. We're going to have to do it on a on a, probably a Friday, so I have a whole weekend to prep. Well, uh, yeah, and just Chick- everybody Chick-fil-A knows. Will be open on a Friday. Officially, uh, I lost this year's Let's bet. Oh, baby, Tom, Tom took it serious. Tom took it serious, and I just shit the bed. Uh, you with took picks it serious, but I took it serious, but I was wrong. bad. Yeah, last year, no big deal. So what I'm thinking is, well, why don't we bang this shit out in a weekend? You're gonna get put me through my disgusting food orders, and I'm gonna have you. It's a perfect cold might, January. Mm. You might want to do it in January just because, you know, me putting you through this food thing, you don't want to be sweating. That's a good point. You know? So I'll be putting you through the uh, through the uh, polar plunge, ice dip, and the water, and that thing too. So we'll start getting that rolled out to you guys. But yeah, officially, I'm the winner for 2018. Tom's the winner for 2019. And um, yeah, I got to... I gotta take my medicine. That was it was a bad too. bad year for me. But anyway, guys, uh, I know it's been a long time since we've been on the air. We a were on the happened. Mike Phillips pod. Hopefully, you guys listen to that. If not, go back and give it a listen. Absolutely. But just the two of us, it's been that's just on the suffering. By the way, just uh, give him a little plug. No, absolutely, and we're on that too. So you know, everybody know go you know where to listen. Um, but for just the two of us, it's been a while, and there's been a lot that's happened. We're gonna try to bring it as concisely as possible, but um. We're going to start this podcast with football and we're going to First thing I want to say Red Sox yeah. are under investigation for cheating but we'll get into that another day. Yeah, I was going to say we'll talk about that another time, you know. Boston sports cheaters going to cheat. <laughs> listen, you know I love a cheater, but it might have been against the Yankees, so. It was listen, if this is fair, the Yankees and the Dodgers should file lawsuits because Ooh. they've both been knocked out by both those teams, the Astros and the Sox, in, in successive seasons. But, yeah, we'll get into that as, as more gets figured out. The Astros investigation decision is going to come down in the next couple weeks. So there will be plenty of time to talk about that. But we're going to start with the NFL, and we're going to start by recapping Wild Card Weekend. It was a really wild weekend with the exception of the last game, and that was crazy in its own right, but every game was pretty nuts. Um, Down to the wire. Two of them went to OT. First game we're going to talk about here is the Texans and the Bills. Now, I have some varying opinions on this game. It was a lot of fun to watch. 
Deshaun Watson came up big when it mattered. He did on that last on one of the yeah. last plays, but one of from from start to finish, and I'm talking first half through the end. One of the worst coach games I've ever seen. Oh, on both ends, fucking yeah. horrible. Yeah, just misuse O'Brien of, and misuse of timeouts just... during in the first half. They took the Bills took a timeout into into half into halftime. Obviously, you don't get those in the in the second half. And then that play, the Josh Allen, the lateral. I know that's probably jitters or whatever you want to call it, nerves, but you just can't make that kind of mistake. No. And batting the ball out of bounds, I don't believe that's a legal play, but they got away with it, luckily for them. Didn't result in a win, but all in all, in my opinion, I think after watching that game, the team that deserved to win won the game. Which is tough because they really didn't deserve. I, I was going to say that. I'm just saying a quarterback wise. Yeah, somebody after making that play. Yeah, somebody had to win, but both deserved to lose. Is yeah, how I would phrase it. True. And, um, you know, Watson made a, the Superman play at the end there, escaping the the double sack and then getting it to his open receiver who goes down the field for about 40 yards. But before that, he was absolutely awful. Terrible. And I know that Buffalo defense Both is good. Both quarterbacks were terrible. But that was the first. You know, remember last year he he played his first home playoff game and got rocked by Andrew Luck's Colts. And this year he was looking at, you know, another early upset at home in the postseason. And, and I'll tell you what. I mean, Bill 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 O'Brien, not Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. I know they're friends. Um, being down double digits in both playoff games he's been in. Would have been tough. Would have been tough to keep him around. I don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of where you he got lucky. Yeah, to me that differentiates you know the good coaches from the from the great coaches is you know if you're an organization like Houston at home by the way in both of those right games. if you're Houston you know winning divisions constantly and getting those games I think is good enough for a while. Um, but yeah, you've got to turn some of those into wins. And regardless of how they got it, they did get it. Um, McDermott just completely froze up, as did his quarterback, Josh Allen, at the end. Throwing that fourth and 25 instead of punting, that made absolute Or kicking a 57-yard field goal. Yeah, at that point, it was about a 60-yarder. Honestly, I don't want to. I don't know about the percentages here, but I think you have a much better chance drilling in a dome that's sixty yarder than you do a fourth and twenty five with Josh Allen. Yeah, Hauschka's, I don't even think you do that with Lamar Jackson. Hauschka is not known for having a great leg, and I think you know. But McFa- it's in a dome, and if you're in that situation where it's either we go for it on fourth and twenty five or we kick a sixty yarder, right? Like. You know what I mean? Like yeah. either way, you're probably going to turn it over. With the end result being throwing a deep ball to a fullback down the field, like you really couldn't have botched that any worse. Than I would have rather did. done a lateral play. It, to it, be it, quite it, honest, I, I tell you. And I think the what compounded how awful that was was the announcing of of Tessator and Booger. And I'm and I I hate shitting on them. We know that ESPN is going to probably shell out every single dime they have to Tony Romo to get him for Monday night. But yeah, his contract. Ha- yeah, but to have those guys announcing that game and trying to hype it up like we're watching history in the making. We only The only history we watched was some of the worst playoff football I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, the only I can reason remember, why that game was fun was because both teams sucked so bad Yeah, that it was an interesting game. I kind of reminded me, you know, not score-wise, but as far as how both teams were just inept – was that Buffalo Jacksonville game two years ago, Wild Card Weekend, where Jacksonville won, I believe it was like nine six or ten six or something like that, um, against the Bills. And my God, I mean, it was just so hard to watch. Uh, both teams were awful, but the Texans come away with a win and they get to head over to Kansas City for this weekend. Deshaun, 
you know, that was a game he had to have. Because if you go 0-2 in your playoff career with both of them being home games against teams nobody really believed to be that great, that's kind of tough. But he made the Superman play, the Superman moment, and, uh, you know, it wiped away three and a half quarters of, of nothing. So good win there for the Texans, however it was, 22-19. And then the nightcap came in where, Tom, you and I kind of talked about it. We thought the Titans had a chance, but if we were picking this game, I don't. You pick the Patriots, of course. I don't think I. I just. I just couldn't do it. Not a bad pick. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and you know what? This was a Derrick Henry show. I don't think Tannehill played very well at all. I think he had under two hundred yards, from what I remember. Um, Did he even have a passing touchdown? No, no uh, passing touchdown. But he he made that big. he made that big throw down. Oh, yeah, no, he, he completed a touchdown to the tight end there. I'm sorry. But, yeah, he had one big pass play down the middle of the field that set up one of the touchdowns. Um, other than that, though, yeah, it was he didn't have to do a lot, and it was nice that after a little stretch there of not running the ball, Vrabel pr- just promptly remembered, oh, yeah, let's uh, just Derrick give Henry. Derrick Henry the fucking football. That guy's a monster. He's a defensive end playing running back, and he's the probably the best one in the league right now, I'd have to say. Right up there with your boy Shaky, but obviously he's got a little more playoff experience than Shake. Um, I mean, they just ran all over him. The Patriots linebackers can't move laterally well, couldn't keep up with him, and it takes like five guys to bring him down. I mean, and they had a great game plan against the Patriots, and that Patriots offense just, I mean, if you give Brady the, the weapons, even at this age, of even like Phil Rivers when they're healthy or, or some of these other lower teams, I think Brady elevates them. He had nothing. I mean, Nikhil Harry, I know he's a rookie. He didn't look great. The other rookie who was like a fourth-round pick, his name deceives me right now. Well, you have um, uh, – what's his name there? Um, Nikhil Harry and the other guy. Yeah. I'll just go with that. Yep. Maybe it'll Sounds come to good. you later. Yeah. Um, you know, tight end, their their most glaring position that obviously they lo- when they lost Gronk. I, I couldn't name – aside from Benjamin Watts, Watson, who was bad the first time around the Patriots, I couldn't name another tight end on the roster. Julian Edelman's clearly banged up, and Sony Michelle was just a straight-up waste of a first-round pick. He's awful, and he doesn't run hard. Um, it doesn't really look like he knows whether he's trying to do his best Lev Bell imitation or yeah. try to run straight up the middle. Either way, he's failing. And the offensive line, you know, really wasn't able to create a lot of space for Brady. That offense just looked anemic. And um, it has for the last eight games, six yeah, games. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, you can't say that they didn't try to make patchwork of it throughout the season because, I mean, they did have Josh Gordon on the roster. They did have an Antonio Brown. They've brought in other guys. But, again, teams are built in the offseason. Championship teams are built in the offseason, and they just didn't do a good job. No, they didn't, and you know, honestly, there's a reason why they took chances on those guys because they knew that the wide receivers of that were you know currently constituted were not set up to succeed or get the Patriots to where they needed to be. And Mohamed Sanu, who is a pretty decent, probably third wide receiver, he'd probably be their second wide receiver on this team. Mm-hmm. Was nowhere to be found either after they traded, I believe, a second, second rounder round pick. for him. Second Oof. round pick. Oof. And remember, they could funny. have gone after Emmanuel Sanders. I think that, you know, San Francisco obviously reaping the benefits of that decision. He's been great. And, I, you know, it'll be real funny if Bill Belichick leaves to go to another team or retires and just leaves this team decimated. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a second before, you know, we have a whole you know couple months to, to really go into it. 
who's the one that leaves? And because I think well, Brady's a free agent. Let me ask you this: Do you see any world in which Belichick and Brady are back together in 2020? I do. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a long off season, and they want to win championships. That's clearly all they care about. If they're still doing this after they've won six together. I think they're together. I think I'd put it at probably 75% chance that both of them come back. Honestly. If one of them leaves, who would it be? Probably Brady. Yeah. Brady's a free agent. I don't know how he negotiated in his deal, but he becomes an automatic free agent. They can't franchise tag him. They can't do anything. So he has the ability to go explore other options. I don't know what he's going to decide to do, but... I'll tell you what, there's teams out there with a lot better weapons than the New England Patriots have. And maybe he's just sick and tired of just saying, like, all right, Bill Belichick's just going to patchwork this together and expect us to figure it out. Maybe he wants to go get some real weapons. And not to mention the money that some of these other teams may throw at him that are desperate to have a big name. Yeah, and a guy that, I mean, I know he was missing some throws and he's not what he was even two years ago, but do you look at a guy and say, and Tom Brady and say, okay, this guy looks like he's going to be done mid-season next year. He's the GOAT. Yeah, he's fine. He's still a top probably 12 quarterback in the league. Yep, He wins that game if if his receivers make a couple plays or get a little separation. I mean, honestly, if you put him on the Jets, if you give him Robbie Anderson, if you give him Jameson Crowder. Web Bell. Yeah, Web Bell, I think he's fine. Obviously, if you give him Saquon Barkley and some of the weapons the Giants have, I mean, those are the kind of guys we're talking about. And these are teams that didn't make the playoffs. Just goes to show how pathetic that the skill position players are for the New England Patriots but yeah I was still surprised they lost you got to see the the tight the giant get knocked down and for the Titans you know that they went in and they executed their game plan Vrabel had a really good coach game I will still never count out the Patriots until Tom Brady and Bill Belichick not only are retired but are dead wow strong in coffins and then at that point I don't know. I might not even believe it then. Maybe they'll come back from the dead. Who the hell knows? Well, if they do, they'll be haunting your Jets. I'm sure. Yes. But uh, that was a that was a really that was a surprise. It was a fun game too. It, it was uh, another good game that was down in the final seconds. Vikings beating the Saints in overtime, 26-20. This game was wow ridiculous. Um, Kirk Cousins finally gets it done. He really did a good job towards the end of the game there. Big drive in overtime. Yeah. I, I, you can't make a better throw than the one that he made to Thielen in overtime to set up the uh, the Kyle Rudolph push-off touchdown, but you know they're not going to Is that a penalty that. or no? It's a penalty, but in that situation, if you don't call it on the field, you can't review it. Well, they did review it. No, they didn't. They did. It came out that they did. Buck got it wrong oh, and okay. said that they weren't reviewing it, and what turned out was they did review it, but there was not any kind of conclusive, conclusive evidence, evidence that said that... Uh, that that was a push off. They said both guys were fighting for, for it and arm barring, and I wouldn't even really say yeah, that. Caught it. Was were they really fighting for it in an arm bar? And all I saw was a big old push off by Rudolph. But you know what? When the arms get extended, tough, that tough generally gets that called. Call. Yeah, tough. Tough if you're not going to make that call on the field. How about that? If you make the call on the field, fair game. If you're going to go to review when all of throughout all of 2018, no, I'm sorry, 2019. There that was go. the past year. We're in 2020 now. There you go. But. They didn't make that. They didn't make that over. They've overturned it what, like twice, out of like. They're not. Yeah, they're that, not going to do it. But you know what? The Saints shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Alvin Kamara. Uh, what happened to him in the second half of the season? If it comes out that he's hurt and he's getting off-season surgery, I wouldn't be surprised. The dude only got 15 touches. I saw way too much of Latavius Murray, who he can run a straight line, and he's not a bad change of pace running back. Obviously, he's no Mark Ingram, but Kamara is just so dynamic that you got to be using him. And Breeze missed some throws. 
Let's face facts. Not to mention the clock management. I'll take you have 21 seconds left, and you don't use that last time out. You, you could have got, like, Drew Brees is supposedly the best guy at managing these situations in the league, these late-time situations. He could have thrown another ball to the flat, set them up for a touchdown or a spike. Like, why, why would they not let Drew Brees have 21 seconds? I'm going to take it a step further than you did. Brees was just flat-out awful in this game. He was the third-best quarterback in this game. Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill was better. And... I know Saints fans aren't going to want to hear By this. By the way, Taysom Hill, I don't care what position you put him at, and I know the Pro Bowl doesn't matter, but I think he deserves to go. He's that a fucking guy, monster. He's my favorite player in the league. He's great. He's great. I mean, he he throws a bomb in the first half, sets up a touchdown. Uh, you know, his Caught run, a touchdown. Yeah, his, his running was insane. Caught mm-hmm. the touchdown. Yep. The guy's amazing. Saints fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I'm just going to have to tell you guys, have you gotten hosed the last few years? I mean, you had the Minneapolis miracle two years ago. You didn't get hosed. That was just ridiculous. Last, Last year, year obviously. But they did, but they didn't. Well, I, they I, lost that game as I well. think what a lot of people don't want to put on the Saints because, yeah, they were not the beneficiary of a couple of calls that could have and should have gone either other ways. But I'm just going to tell you how it is. Drew Brees has played like dog shit in his last few playoff games. And... Sean Payton has really wilted in big moments as a coach. He he mismanaged the time in last year's NFC Championship game horrendously. And then remember, Breeze throws that awful pick in overtime that sets up the Rams game-winning field goal. This year, exactly, you get the penalty and you have the opportunity, instead of having the 10-second runoff, to kick a field goal. And they didn't even call that timeout. Exactly. Use that timeout with the penalty. Stop it at 21 seconds. You can run a couple plays to try to get the best quarterback you, in these moments in the end zone. You probably have two good, two solid plays, three if he throws one away in you. Yeah. And, and, and a field goal. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I What it, what it seemed like to me was he was, t- he was scared of the moment. And also he wasn't trusting his big time quarterback. Because Breeze had not really done anything in that game. That would lead you to believe that he was going to march him down and make those plays. I know history is on his side, but he was he was trash on Sunday. He really was. Well, and we just need at, to call it how it is. Look at Drew Brees is I believe nine and nine in the playoffs. He's not great. He's got it. I mean, if but you know what it is that Super Bowl <laughs> ring, and that goes for Sean Payton as well as the ultimate deodorizer for sure. Same thing with Peyton Manning. I mean, we're not going to count the second Super Bowl because. He kind of rode that defense to it, and he was a shell of himself. But he only won one Super Bowl in Indianapolis. And don't get me wrong, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning both are probably top five options Lost all time. Lost a second to Drew Brees. Yes, top five options all time when it comes to regular season and stats and whatnot that you would want to have. But when it comes to the playoffs, I can name a few guys that I'd take over them. Yep, absolutely. And I don't think that's wrong, and I think it's something. That's why Tom Brady's GOAT. Yep, and that's something that's not popular opinion and again you just have to look at this objectively which I was I didn't have a dog in the fight we weren't picking these games for stakes you know I looked at it and said Kirk Cousins outplayed him and want to give him some props you know I I obviously have arguably the worst prediction of all time picking (laughs) uh, Kirk Cousins as an MVP candidate in the beginning of 2018 that's well documented on this podcast because you'll never let me forget about it Um, but he rose up in this game. He played a really strong football game. And let's put it this way, too. If the Saints did find a way to win, 
that's not a game you could say Kirk Cousins came up short. He no, played really well. They would, and, and they, Yeah, I mean, you could spin that narrative. But overall, I mean, if you're in overtime and the Saints get the ball and they score, you can't say Kirk Cousins, you know, fucked up. So he made a great play. Was that probably by the rule, inter, you know, offensive pass interference push off probably so but you know what they swallowed the whistle they don't know what the, right they don't know what the rules are nobody really knows what pass interference is on both ends it's a it's subjective it's totally Could you imagine not they overturn that shit the whole world would be lit on fire yeah but what i just find so funny is like that's the saints rule that rule was put in for the saints and they didn't get it again <laughs> at home in a playoff game and um not nearly as egregious as last year it wasn't but, you know, it is what it is. I, I just, listen, man, you can put a lot of the game on refing. Refs have been awful this year. At the end of the day, the players decide the game. Breeze didn't make enough plays. And one more thing, please don't bitch and moan about the overtime rules. You have a chance to score a touchdown. Can the defense stop them? If, remember, if they kick a field goal, the Saints get the ball. You can't stop them. You let them go right down the field and score. And last year, you can't argue about it because you throw the pick that sets up L.A. to win. So there's nothing wrong with the rules. Not everything in life is fair. You have a defense on the field that had been good. You should stop the opposing team from getting in the end zone on their first possession of overtime. They didn't do it. Great game, though, and uh, I'm happy for Kirk Cousins. So um, good win by the Vikings there. The last game, Seahawks-Eagles. Man, the storylines in this one started right off the bat, bro. Nine minutes in, to be exact. Finally, the one healthy guy on there on the Eagles team, seemingly, got injured. Carson Wentz, you don't really mess around with head injuries, and he looked pretty shook up. Um, Josh McCowan came in, though, and he did a good job, I have to say. Um, He looked like a 40-year-old backup quarterback that was coaching high school football into, like, week two, from what I remember. But he figured it out after a little bit. He's competent. Yeah, He'll absolutely. He'll make the throws that he should make. I was happy for him. I mean, that was his first sniff of playoff football. He never touched the field in the playoffs before, so I was definitely happy for him. A little disappointed to see that Wentz went out, and I also feel bad for him just because this is his M.O. that he. That, but this that, is different. Of course it's different. I mean, last time he tore the ACL diving into the end zone, um, and, and Foles came in and obviously had that magical run against the Patriots. But Even last year he missed time you know, with the knee and, and the back. No, it, it definitely sucks. But this is different. It's a head injury. You yeah. can't mess around with that. And I think the team that, that should have won the game did, but I think this is about as far as the Seahawks go. I think they're, they've been playing with fire all year, my friend, and they're going to get burnt by a better team. They were not all that impressive in that game. And if Wentz is healthy, I you know think who was, the Eagles could have won. Who's you that? know who was? A guy who probably should have been one of the first three wide receivers taken off the board. Instead, he ended up being the seventh or the eighth, I believe, and that's DK Metcalf. Yeah, he he's proven a lot of people wrong. I mean, Frenchy had him as his fifth wide receiver on the French Five before the draft last year. And to be honest, the guys ahead of him have been have been great. I mean, with the exception of Enkil Harry, I mean, you have AJ Brown, who's a stud in Tennessee, and of course, uh, you got Hollywood over in. Uh, over in Baltimore, but you're right. I mean, he was DK Metcalf is a is a freak, and it looks like he's been able to expand his route tree that he didn't at Ole Miss, and he's given Russell Wilson just a weapon that nobody else really has in this postseason. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think the better team won. 
think the better just team- incredible to see the Eagles in the playoffs. Period. I think Peterson deserves a lot of credit because, I mean, could you name their wide receivers? No. Only Boston guys, Scott. Boston Scott's a running back. Basically, Darren Sproles 2.0 and Ertz and Goddard. That's really all I can name from their from their skill position players. And their defense was pretty banged up as well. So it everybody was, was hurt. It just made it that much sweeter that this Eagles team made the playoffs and and almost I guess you could say almost fully healthy at that time in the season. Cowboys team missed the playoffs. Yeah, so for sweet. sure. Yeah, no, it is. And and I have no love lost for the Eagles, obviously. But, you know, I think Peterson, I agree with you, is a hell of a football coach. I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, for what that team has been and what they are still. Um, just to talk about Wentz before we talk about the hit, I hate when people take a comment that's obvious and they spin it into a negative. Carson Wentz is injury prone. What does injury prone mean? It means you are prone to injuries. It means you are likely to get hurt. Now, this is not one, you know, this is not Jacoby Ellsbury. This is not Carl Pavano. This is not, you know, the guy that's constantly getting soft tissue injuries or, you know, sprained ankles or hip flexors or, you know, a, a hurt glute. No, this guy's had serious injuries and they've happened, you know, trying to help the team win and making the extra play. And the thing is, when it comes to being injury prone, he's injury prone because of the way he plays. It's right. not because he's not soft. No, no. And I think it's like it's it's a tough it's a tough back and forth cuz he's great because of the way he plays, but he gets hurt. If you hone him in, he's probably not going to be as great. Correct. He's probably not going to be Tom Brady in the pocket, no. right? I mean, he still makes great throws on the run and within the pocket, and he's got a big-time arm, but I don't think he's a precision pocket guy. No. So it's like you kind of just got to let him play how he plays and and cross your fingers. Exactly. And, you know, listen, the narrative is going to be, oh, this guy's always hurt and blah, blah, blah. And it's more sad because you want to see him play, and he's deserved to be, you know, the guy in the big moment. But this is not one of those injuries where you can say, oh, he's hurt again. Concussions are so fucking different, man. They're even different than a, than a terrible ACL or an Achilles. It's just a guy went at him and hit him with the helmet in his head like he was, a you know, a, a, a missile. It, it is what it is. But it's okay to call him injury prone without saying, and that doesn't mean he's soft. I really think people need to calm the fuck down because we hear injury prone and we think that means you're, you know, you're soft and you don't want to be on the field or, or on the court. No, 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 no. He's just at this point in his career been prone to injuries more so than other contemporaries at his position, which is unfortunate. But listen, at the end of the day, I hope he's okay. I hope he has a long career. Obviously I don't enjoy seeing him beat my team, but he's a guy you root for as a quarterback. And when he is healthy, he's a he's a top six quarterback in this league. And he was the reason that team was even in the playoffs. So, you know, tough to see that game go that way. But, yeah, um, obviously, we I'm sure we're both in agreement, right, that that hit was dirty? Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, you're right. He came in like a missile. So let's move on to next week's games. We'll do a little preview. I have the lines in front of us. We'll do picks, but we're not going to count it for anything. Sean's got to eat enough fast food as it is. All right, first game we got coming up on Saturday at 435. The Vikings are going to San Francisco. 
and San Francisco is a full touchdown favorite. I'm not surprised. Me either. I think San Francisco wins this game. I agree with you. I think San Francisco wins this game, but I'm going to take the Vikings with the spread. That's I think fair. that defense is going to be able to keep this game a little bit closer. you got to be impressed with what going into New Orleans and winning. Yes, exactly, and I think that they want to try and get over the hump, but I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be able to do it, especially against that San Francisco defense. I think they're going to be fully he- <clears throat> sorry. I think they're going to be fully healthy. So, I think yeah. Is I, Ford coming back, or is that next week? I'm not a hundred percent sure. All I know is that you know the Niners. I've been constantly underselling them all year, saying you know you got to show me something. You got to show me something. And you know they beat the they beat the the Packers. One of the Packers' three losses. They went toe to toe with Lamar. In Baltimore, they went into New Orleans and won that crazy 48-45 game. They beat the Seahawks twice, including the last game of they the year. They showed you plenty, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think as the week goes on, Minnesota's going to get more and more play with that seven-point spread. I think a lot of people were impressed with what Minnesota did, and I still think a lot of people don't buy into San Francisco, but I don't know about the spread, but I, I, I find it hard to believe San Francisco's going to lose this game. I think San Francisco is going to go to the Super Bowl, to be honest, at the NFC. They they seem like they are the best NFC team. All right, moving on to the next game. That is the Saturday night we have at 8-15. The Tennessee Titans travel to Baltimore to take on the MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson. Baltimore is home, and they are favored by nine points. I think that's, that's fair. That's like a regular season spread, man. That's crazy. I think that's fair. How do you see this game going? With that defense, I'm going to take Baltimore, and I think I'm going to take Baltimore with the spread. So the tough thing about this game for for Tennessee is, you know, they were able to go into New England, have these really sustained drives, know that they could do that and wear out the Patriots, dominate clock, because let's be honest, the Patriots were not capable of ha- hitting that home run play and coming back fast. I mean, the to me, the Titans can have, they can score 21 points in this game, but it might take them eight minutes to score a touchdown. It might take the Ravens three plays. And with that, I mean, I just can't see. I can't see Lamar having that bad postseason game at home last year, getting that out of his system. Just the momentum just the this team this is year, on man. and the defense. Absolutely. Ingram's back. I don't really see this game being close. Ingram back is being is going to be huge because they got weapons all over the field. This team is built perfectly around Lamar Jackson. And that defense has been playing great since they went out and got Marcus Peters. I'm going to take them with the spread, the nine points. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good call by you. Um, yeah, I, I I would be surprised if by the end of this game it's within ten. Yep. All right. So moving on to the Sunday games, the Houston Texans, who barely won last week, travel to Kansas City to play Andy Reid. Who honestly, dude, I I have to say. If I'm rooting for a team this year, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. I'm tired of everybody talking shit about him. I like the guy. Me too. But that being said, Kansas City is favored by nine and a half points at home. That game is at 3.05 on Sunday the 12th. That's a hefty spread. But you know what? Another one that I think is kind of fair. Yeah, I think Mahomes. I don't really think they're going to get much pressure on Mahomes. And even when you put pressure on Mahomes, he's still great. So can you imagine him without pressure? And that defense in Kansas City has been averaging like 10 points a game in the Steve, last four or five weeks. Steve Spagnuolo deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with that defense because that was their Achilles heel last year. That's why they lost to the Pats, and that's why you know they were as vulnerable as they were the early part of this season. But 
I, I feel very similarly about this game as I do about the Baltimore game. I mean, listen, Deshaun's going to get a lot of credit for what he did, and he should, but let's not forget about how awful him and that entire team was for the first three and a half quarters of that game against Buffalo, and the only reason they won was because they got a scared Buffalo team that was deer in the headlights. You know who's not? Pat Mahomes at home in Arrowhead, Andy Reid. He might exit stage left early again, but it won't be Sunday. Yeah. I can't see this game being really that close either by the time. Well, the the Andy Reid's Achilles heel is obviously clock management, and I don't think they're going to need to manage the clock too much in this game. I think they're going to be up by probably 10 points. So, Yeah. They're not going to need the clock. Maybe Houston hangs around a little bit. I could see Deshaun making a couple plays where it's like, whoa. You know, I, think it, I, think, I think it's close in the first quarter going into halftime. And, sorry, the first half. And then I think you see – the the um the, sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs almost said Royals there. Kansas City Chiefs oh. start to pull away slowly. slowly Are you feeling baseball surely. already, Tom? I can't wait for baseball season. All right, moving on to the final game we have this weekend. You have the Seattle Seahawks going to the Green Bay Packers. Going to Green Bay, that game is at six forty. I don't the remember them doing this. I always feel like the Sunday. Game. I always feel like the Sunday. Divisional was still one and four forty. They're doing championship Sunday times now. Interesting. I mean, maybe they'll get a little more prime time, get some more eyeballs on it. I think. That's Pro- I think they're looking for more of the West Coast. Yeah. People may not. People may not want to wake up early to watch this. I would, but who knows? Some people won't. Green Bay favored by four. I think Green Bay takes this game, and I think they take it with the spread. Um, I just think Seattle. They don't have a running game at all which was really what they leaned on. And they, like I said, they've, they've played with fire, and I think they're going to get burnt. This is the one that I'll disagree with you with. I don't feel great about either of these teams. I think Seattle easily could have lost if Wentz was healthy on Sunday. But to be honest, man, this Packers team is the least impressive 13-3 and team that I can remember in a long time. Almost every game they played was close against bad teams too. And... There's some kind of disconnect there. The defense is obviously better than it's been in years, but they're still not. I don't look at them as a premier defense. I don't give a shit what the what the stats say. Rodgers has missed some throws this year. Wide receiver core still leaves a little to be, you know, desired. I just I like Aaron Jones. Give me playoff A-Rod. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I feel great about playoff A-Rod, the football player. I also feel really good about playoff Russell Wilson. True. And and I would not be shy. I think this game is is the closest game of the weekend. The two as, N- the as two the N- spread reflects. Yeah, the two NFC games are the best ones this weekend. But yeah, I, I could see Russell Wilson going in there. These two teams have a very fun history. playoff history. Not to mention that game, I don't know if you remember it. I think the lockout game. The referee lockout. True. Where yeah, one the, the referee replacement said touchdown, reps, yep. the other one said no. The fail so Mary. Got, yeah. yeah, they've got a ton of, uh, of history. Yeah, and don't forget that 2014 NFC Championship game when those Seahawks had that crazy comeback in Seattle. Um, that was the first tu- uh, overtime touchdown that, that was sudden death uh, in that game. So I, I definitely give the Seahawks a, a chance because I think Russell Wilson's capable of making any play. And if DK Metcalf plays half as well as he did in that Philly game, I think they have a chance. Absolutely. The only thing that These alarms teams are me, kind of similar. The only thing that alarms me is the lack of the running game. And that's fair. Um, they I don't have an Aaron Homer, Jones. Homer. Um, 
I mean, he played really well in the final week of the season, but then the wheels kind of came off the cart last week, and then Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Marshawn Lynch is averaging about a yard a carry. I know he got two touchdowns in the last two weeks, but a yard a carry is not going to cut it against better teams. No, and I think, again, if they win, if Seattle wins this game, it's going to be all because of Russell Wilson. Absolutely. All right, so let's we're still going to talk a little NFL here, but we're going to move on to some offseason stuff early just because Sean's giddy. He's wearing his uh, New York Giants uh, sweatshirt there. So let's talk about it first. The Giants obviously fired Pat Shermer. They held on to the GM Gettleman, which is pretty much what we predicted and what, what you and I both wanted to happen, you as a Giants fan and me just saying what I think should happen. And they hired Joe Judge as head coach, who you told me earlier, and I should have remembered this, but he's a former New England Patriots assistant, and he also worked for your boyfriend, um, Nick Saban. True. Uh, yes, he, uh, he started off, um, at Alabama from 2009 through 2012 as a, uh, as an assistant coach down there, one of the, uh, special teams guys. Then he went up to new England and he was the special teams coach up until this past year where he was promoted to wide receiver coach. I'm going to be brutally honest with you about the whole way this giants coaching thing worked out. All right. Obviously Shermer had to go. We agreed with that. We talked all fucking year about that. Gettleman, you could have made a case either way for. I just think he's done enough with the draft and he's gotten Daniel Jones who looked like who looks like a franchise quarterback. I think some of the moves he's made, you should get a chance to see those through. Okay. He's kind of the anti Brian Cashman. Every time he talks, he sounds worse and you lose faith in him, even if he knows what he's doing. And I'm sure you'll agree with that. Like, yeah, absolutely. It, it's like, why don't you Get just a please nervous. be quiet? Yep. Because you sound awful, um, especially in today's game where there's so many really polished executives and GMs and coaches. You take a class. They offer those. Oh my god, and just the accent too. It's it, it's it's. Hey, rough. let's not let's not patronize for accents here. We don't do that on this podcast. I will do it as a New York fan. Him coming in there with that Boston accent. It's tough. True. It, it's tough. But uh, either way, yeah, I, I felt like he should at least be part of the process. Um, so there were a couple coaches I wanted. Ron Rivera was one. They didn't even get a chance because it's even before they fired Shermer, Washington hired him. I, I thought Ron Rivera was a really, really good head coach for a long time in Carolina. Maybe with the Gettleman ties, they bring him in. But listen, the benefit of the Redskins firing their coach midseason was they were able to do their due diligence and, and look up and down. I thought Ron Rivera was a really good coach for them. We'll talk about that in a minute. So they got him. Then Matt Rule, to me, was was the number one guy. And I like the fact that he's built two programs, Temple and Baylor, up from nothing and made them premium top 25 ranked football teams. And he clearly knows how to build a football program. I know college is totally different than pro, but he has, he has that kind of aura about him where the dude means business and he's very intelligent but and also you know in college coaches now are much more relatable to the college players I mean the game the NFL game and the college game right man I mean they're not that different anymore no not at all a little more spread in the uh, in the college game defenses aren't as impactful Mm -hmm. I would say but nonetheless these guys are so close to being pro and with the training and whatnot yeah you're absolutely right I think he's good at building a culture, clearly. and But, I mean, you're not going to pass up seven years, 60 mil. And I don't know if the Giants were going to be able to I think they really were that. 
enticed by him because the only year he spent on a pro staff was with the Giants as a wide receivers coach in 2012. And he has New York ties. Remember, he he wanted the Jet job last year, and the Jets didn't give it to him because they didn't want him to. They didn't want allow him to have complete autonomy of the personnel, and that's fair. I mean, you know, the Panthers gave it to him. Good, good for them. They well, they better if they're going to give him that kind of money. Exactly, six years, seventy million plus the ten million dollar buyout to Baylor. I mean, they they gave him full control of, of player personnel and coaching personnel and shit, man. I mean, that you want to talk about a shotgun marriage? There it is. The other guy I really felt good about was Mike McCarthy. And you remember from our conversations last year when your team was was going up for a head coach. Sometimes I think we try too hard when analyzing these guys. You know, we, we fall in love with certain names. The reason I felt good about Mike McCarthy is, gun to your head, is Mike McCarthy a good football coach? Mm-hmm. Nine, nine playoff seasons in 13 years, including a Super Bowl. I mean, the guy, uh, you can Again, say it's Rodgers. Again, that Super Bowl becomes a little bit of a deodorizer to some other problems. Right. But all in all, when you're looking at coaching candidates, he was one of the better ones out there this yes. year. Yes, and, and so those were the names on my radar that, in order, I wanted Rule, McCarthy, Rivera, and either of them I would have felt really good of. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I didn't know who the fuck Joe Judge was. I know they brought him in for an interview, along with Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator on Kansas City. Reed guys have worked out a lot, um, and he wasn't calling plays. The The direction the Giants were going in was they wanted a complete and leader, a, a, a full military general. Because let's be honest, fucking McAdoosh and Shermer don't know if you're how to Mac, have control. What's Shermer's, what's Shermer's nickname? If you're going to go McAdoosh, let's hear the Shermer nickname. I don't, I don't have a good one. He sucks. Okay. There's that. So there's just fired off the back of douche so quick. Well, I, I mean, come on, that has a ring to it. It's, sure. And I had years to think you're the first that. one to say that. Probably not. Um, okay. as a matter of fact, I can pretty much promise. No, but those guys, you know, didn't have control of that locker room and we see how football teams are now. They're reflections of their head coaches. The head coaches are, are the ones speaking to the media all year. They're the ones who are getting to their fans all year they, the team takes on the persona of the head coach. And the Giants head coaches the last few years have been coordinators who were promoted but had no grasp of how to organize a team or control a team or lead a team. And the Giants clearly wanted that to be their mandate during their coaching hire and, or coaching search and led them to the hire of Joe Judge who has been in two of the most stable organizations in football, both college and pro. Belichick absolutely raved about him. Saban raved about him. All the players in New England raved about him. The thing about special teams guys is they're the only coach in the organization outside of the head coach that deals with all the players. And a lot of reports out of New England were when Belichick wasn't leading meetings, it was Judge. Um, At first I was like, who's this, obviously. But then you start to read about him. What I'm hoping from Joe Judge is it sounds like he has an incredibly strong attention to detail. He's incredibly poised. He's vocal. He's communicative. And he's a leader, a bona fide leader. All of those things are intangibles that the Giants have not had really since Coughlin's last Super Bowl. If he brings in good coordinators who know how to call plays, I have some suggestions, but 
some. I don't really, I don't know if he's going to go the veteran route. I don't know if he's going to dip into college. Uh, Brett Bielma, who the former Wisconsin and Arkansas head coach, who is serving as a um, defensive lines coach for I New England. I thought you were going to say serving time. No, serving, oh. ti- serving time <laughs> is the uh, nice. Patriots time de- defensive lines coach. <laughs> Uh, he he would be somebody I would be enticed by as a defensive coordinator. You know why? Because all of those teams at Wisconsin and Arkansas were tough. And the Patriots D-line, tough. So there's a name. I'd like a, you know somebody like a, uh, you know, maybe a North Turner type who was just coaching in Carolina who probably will be let go under Matt Rule's watch so he can bring in his own guys. God, does that guy know offense. And even Jason Garrett. I wouldn't hate him as an O.C., let him go clap up and down the line. You know, his knock is not not that he doesn't know offense. His knock is that he doesn't know how to lead a team. So those are names I'm sure that Judge has guys in mind. I'm sure I wouldn't like Garrett. His offense has been so vanilla the past few years. But I think, you know, again, he also had responsibilities of head coach. It's different when you're only coordinator. We've seen a lot of guys. I mean, North Turner's offenses weren't always great when he was the head coach, but God, when he's a coordinator, is he on point? Mm-hmm. We'll see which direction they go. Either way, that's going to tell me a lot about Joe Judge too. I'm just excited that they get a guy from a really stable organization, and maybe the who is becoming a good thing. Because remember, I did not like the Daniel Jones pick because I didn't know a shit ton about him. Turned out that after the end of the year, you feel pretty fucking good about Daniel Jones. Joe Judge might be one of those guys as the head coach. You say who, 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 you think of all the big names, but at the end of the year, or maybe even the beginning of the year, you get a sense of this guy is big. He has his press conference at 2 p.m. tomorrow. I can't wait to hear him talk. I was never galvanized by a single word that McAdoo or Shermer said. McAdoo. So, McAdoo. So, that's my take on it as a Giants fan. What do you think about it after what I've said and, and just what you've read over the last day? I think that he's a really good offensive mind, and I love when special teams coaches rise through the ranks, obviously, because Belichick started out as a special teams coach at the beginning of his career, and look how he's turned out. They coach, John they, Harbaugh. Yeah, they know exactly. And, and usually when your team's well-organized on special teams, it leads to good things throughout the entire program. Um, as well as the fact that I think the last two Belichick disciples have fared a lot better than the ones from before that. Like, obviously, Matty PP was before was previous, and you have um, who else? I'm trying to think. Well, Flores has done. Yeah, but that's going back to the more recent guys. You have Flores and Vrabel, and they both are. You know, Flores had a team that was supposed to be the worst team. A guy who is not going to win Coach of the Year, but he should definitely get some votes. That team was supposed to be the worst team and the first team to ever tank in the NFL. They were supposed to be the worst team ever. They ended up going five and eleven. That's pretty damn good. That's like if the Jets went eleven and five and made the playoffs this year, basically to put it in perspective. And Vrabel's done a great job, and he just went into into Foxborough and beat Belichick himself and played a trick on Belichick that he used earlier in the year. So I like guys coming out of the coaching tree recently, and. I just think that he's going to be a good, solid offensive mind, and he's going to put the right people in the right position. And not to mention that he probably knows that he that Daniel Jones is going to be his quarterback of the future, and you're not going to take this job if you don't like the quarterback that you have. So clearly he likes Daniel Jones, and he's going to be able to work with him. He's going to be able to work with him, and again, you know, I just need my head coach to show the character traits of a great head coach. 
if you surround yourself with good coordinators and guys that know how to work with young quarterbacks and know how to mold a defense, let the head coach, you know, show his organizational skills and his leadership. Well, you just gotta you gotta be a CEO. You gotta right. put good people in good positions. Like you, and that's you what exactly right. that's what I do. I oversee. I'm a leader. I lead and everyone else follows and I'm the my talent. lead. Right. You're the talent. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, you know, somebody has to be. You're the you're um, the leader. <laughs> I could I'm both actually. Oh, okay. Well I hope that Joe Judge is too. Yeah. Because that would be a really good We're, thing for the Giants. It's I, nice to have you here, and I'm glad <laughs> that you think that. Keep, keep, I do. You know, stay motivated, but Jesus Christ! All right, so let's oh, move on to the next. Got to equate this somehow. You, you will not give me any credit. It is, it's pretty amazing. You're filling um, out that shirt, nice. I'm glad it has sleeves. Yeah, me too. It's cold out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I like this hire, and, and I'm happy that I had a day. So to he was your number five choice, but at the end of the day, and you know what? That's the thing. Like we're fans, right? Like I didn't want Daniel Jones because, to be fucking honest, I never saw him play. And I like guys that play. What do you mean? You don't have a subscription to the ACC network? No, Uh, and no, especially not the bottom of it. And but once the guy's hired, once the guy gets the job, it's okay. This is who we have. We got to root for him. And listen, this certainly is better than the alternative of hearing a bunch of things come out saying, this guy's not prepared. This is a complete crapshoot. This, this is getting lauded by, a, think a, uh, by a lot of experts. This just feels, this feels a lot more, I don't want to, this just feels more right, honestly, than the last two hires that the Giants have made. Now, maybe not everybody agreed with it because, again, he's not a brand name yet. But the last two hires seemed a little too fast, a little too quick, and they were appeasing the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And this one, you don't have to appease Eli. Nope. McAdoo. And I don't know who the fuck they were trying to appease with Shermer. Shermer was basically, he was a retread. It was a guy that had some success, but he had just gotten Case Keenum to, you know, fourth place in the MVP and an NFC Championship game. And he was a guy that paid his dues, getting him back into the coordinating game. And well, he can enjoy being a coordinator again because that's yeah, what and he you belongs. know what I think he'll be a damn good one. Absolutely, he's just not cut out to be a head coach. Some guys aren't. I like. I that think move. this guy is. Belichick usually <laughs> hires guys who are good leaders, so I think that this is a really good hire, and it just feels a lot more. Uh, there's no better way for me to put it. it; just feels more right. Yep. The the kind of the knock of people who are going against it is you know the Giants don't have a great track record in Gettleman. You know, like when the Yankees hired Aaron Boone, it didn't matter that he had no experience to us because it's like. Brian Cashman knows what he's doing. He's going to hire a good guy. Whereas when the Mets bring in Beltron, it's how can you do that? He has no experience. Well, it's because it's the Mets. It's the track record. The Giants track record lately has not been good. So if they bring in a guy with no experience who nobody's heard of, they're going to think he's clueless. Yeah, but not to mention if they bring in a guy like, let's say, Mike McCarthy, it's like, well, he only won all those games because of Aaron Rodgers. He's not that great of a head coach because it's the Giants. So nonetheless, with fans like that, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So let this play out and see how it goes. I think he's the best hire the Giants have made since Coughlin left. Yeah. And, and that's before they even – I mean, I never really liked um, – what's his face? What would you call him? Douche something? McAdoosh? I never liked him. Nobody did. Never even yeah. liked him as a coordinator. Yeah. Period. And and Shermer just seemed, after the first watching the first press conference, seemed like a little cocky for my taste when he hadn't done anything. Yep. And, 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 and that's why I would be excited for the excited press conference it. tomorrow because I think, quite honestly, it's going to be refreshing. I do too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's move on down the line here. So the Redskins, as I mentioned, did hire Ron Rivera as the head coach. What do you think of this hire? I thought it was a no-brainer. I like this move. It's a young, it's a young franchise. Given their young franchise quarterback, they're kind of 
well, they're absolutely rebuilding. And this is a guy who's going to build from the bottom up and instill like a, a proper attitude in everybody there. I think Josh Norman's probably gone. I don't know about Trent Williams. Uh, I don't know what his deal is with his contract. But more importantly for me, they finally got rid of their GM. That was more important than even the head coach because his name deceives me Bruce right Allen. now. He completely alienated their all-pro, what was it, left tackle. Yeah, Trent Williams, yeah. And he just screwed up every single thing that he's done since he started there. Screwed up RG3. Screwed up, um, I almost said Case Keenum, but Kirk Cousins. You were doing so well, too. You the, went through that whole with, Viking game. With the, multiple, with the multiple franchise tags. He has not done a single thing right. So it was, time, it was time for him to go about three years ago. I'm glad they finally got rid of him. Let Ron Rivera put his guys in there and run a proper franchise. Couldn't agree more. Um, this was a great hire by a team that's pretty inept at making good decisions. And he immediately, just with his name and his pedigree, brings stability to one of the most unstable franchises. Stability as well as credibility. Maybe they'll actually get a halfway decent free agent before their career is over. Yeah, I, I think that's a big play in it because, for like you said, not only does he come in, but Bruce Allen leaves. He's going to be able to pick his. Uh, he's going to be able to pick his assistants and his staff. I'm sure he's going to bring in great names, and he'll be able to mold that team. He's a defensive guy. He'll bring in an offensive guys to take care of him. Again, you went to a Super Bowl four years ago, and that Panther team this year, if it wasn't decimated with injuries, and who knows if Cam kept on his trajectory of MVP level or close to it. He probably isn't getting fired because he's probably going to NFC Championship games a lot. So, really good job there by by a, a division rival for the Giants. And another one, before we talk about the Panthers, the Dallas Cowboys, in a weird fucking way, finally fired Jason Garrett. Apparently, Took he, him would, a week, he wouldn't leave the room. three meetings. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, like, at some point, you're going to have to get the picture. Like, how, they've had him for a decade, right? Yeah. And he's got... Basically nothing to show for it, He's in my opinion. He's a 500 opinion. coach. Yeah. So, finally, the Cowboys, what seems like five years too late, do the right thing. And they got rid of Garrett and went ahead and got Mike McCarthy. And I, I really like this move. I think that he he just kind of ran his course in Green Bay. I think he's a great head coach, veteran head coach, and a great offensive mind. I think that if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, Will, I think Dak's going to be great next year on that franchise tag. Cause I think they're going to franchise tag. I do too. I, I think that that's the right move right now, but also you got another adult in the room and not too much of one where he's going to, you know, take the shadow away from, uh, from Jerry because he's no, not this that kind of guy and he doesn't want to be, this isn't um, Jimmy Johnson. No, we, we don't have that situation, but Again, he's an adult. He's he's not an egomaniac. He's not a narcissist. He's not going to be like like uh, what's his face? I just said his name, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Johnson. There you go. But again, he'll be able to stand up for for what he believes in when he needs to, and he's going to run this offense really well. I think so. Uh, he's keeping Kellen Moore on as as OC, and I, think I like that's that. Fair. Yeah, the last couple weeks, you really well. The last second part of the year, really, uh, it went just stagnant, but. I think he deserves to to have you know some some more control and McCarthy will be in his ear. 
Listen, if the biggest knock on McCarthy is that he couldn't get along with Aaron Rodgers, who the fuck does? Not even his own family. So <laughs> yeah. there's that I can't really knock him for that. He's a really good NFL head coach who's won a Super Bowl and been in the playoffs a lot. That matters. And he's beaten the Cowboys a few times. So Jerry knows that. He's not going to be afraid of the big moment. Another thing I'm not sure if you noticed, he, he was doing this thing this past year called the McCarthy Project. And he was studying tape of every single team every week. And he built basically a bunker in his house in Green Bay and brought in other former coaches and would watch tape. And he was trying to remodel himself a little as a coach because, you know, when you're a head coach, it's hard to learn on the fly how to be or adjust on the fly, I should say, and keep up with the times. And he said, you know, even though it was really difficult for him to have that year off and being fired, it was a blessing in disguise because he got a little bit more entrenched in the analytics, learned what they meant, changed, said he made some personality adjustments that he believes is going to serve him well as a head coach. Going forward with the new crop of players, he has uh, the most talented team in this division by far. And he's going to just be able to go and be a really good NFL head coach. I'm going to be honest. I love this move for the Cowboys. I don't love it as a Giants fan because for the second time in this division – I mean, I think right now, both the Redskins and the Cowboys made two of the best hires. The Giants have the fourth best I don't in think, the division. I don't think the division champ next year is going to have nine wins. <laughs> I don't either. And, uh, you know, I listen, last thing I'm going to say about that is I just finished up calling him not an egomaniac and not a narcissist. And then he turns around and names a project after him. So. Well, I mean, that was <laughs> – it was, again, it was kind of like a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compile a bunch of – a bunch of other professionals in in the in the industry and and look at how I can improve because you know if you're a retread head coach and I I don't mean that word disparagingly but it is if you're a head coach who's getting a second opportunity after being fired you got fired for a reason whether it was fair or unfair and you do have to change your ways because this is becoming a younger league with younger players who Listen, man, it's just different than it was in 2008. So if you can't adjust to that, both, you know, tactically, analytically, you certainly have to do it from a personality standpoint and a leadership standpoint. And I think he's going to do a really good job there. Uh, For the NFC East teams that are all been in, you know, states of despair to varying degrees, I think all of these teams hit home runs with their hires. The Cow or the Panthers, they did get Matt Rule, and we said they threw the the they threw the entire kingdom at him. But I give them credit; he was their guy. He was supposed to interview with the Giants. The owner of the Panthers would not let him leave without signing a deal, which says we want you that bad. And I think Matt Rule's a damn good coach. I I don't know how quick it'll take because. There's some moves that are going to have to be made and some decisions that have to be made in Carolina, but give them a year or two. I think this could not be a better move. If you want to pay the money for them, which they did, God, you just got a great program builder and a fucking great coach. Absolutely. We already talked about him a little bit earlier um, in detail when it comes to the Giants, but the Panthers did what they had to do. They went out and got him, and clearly that's their guy. They have a lot of confidence in him to give him all that money as well as pay the bayout, the pay the um what are they called buyout buyout whatever sorry guys and give them full control full control all that good stuff so 
Good job by them. Last team we got to talk about. Your favorite team this year. And when uh, I say that, I mean your most hated team this year. Now, I don't remember if we talked after week 17, but uh, we'll recap it no. anyways. They went ahead and lost to the Cincinnati Bengals in fitting form of the 2019 Cleveland Browns and finished off their season embarrassingly. All their players want to leave. Um, they all hate Baker. They all hate the head coach. And the head coach got fired in Freddie Kitchens. And I think Freddie Kitchens would have done a lot better job managing the grounds crew. Mm. Maybe not even, because then there would have been a tough playing field. Garbage, no. The place probably would have stunk. What do you think? What do you think is a better job for him? Maybe a valet? I don't know. Then you got you got. I think it's all the running back. back coach was a good spot for him. Yeah, you know, like no. let him have. I think, I think he deserves a spot on on a staff at a very low level. But my God, I mean, the the hire in the first place made no sense. I know. I'm so, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell he got that job in the first place. Baker wanted him. Baker loved him. And that's, you know. You, Baker called him an idiot on HBO. No, but we talked about this. He did later on. But when they asked him, like, you know, hey, we're going to interview these guys. He went to bat for Freddie Kitchens, you know, in the offseason last year. He is an idiot. Baker was right the second time because the guy is an he idiot. He called him an idiot first because he called him in on hard knocks when what's-his-face was still the head coach. Oh, uh, uh, Hugh Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, regardless, I, I know that he, he went to bat for him in the uh, in the interview so process last year. So he was an idiot, year. then he wasn't an idiot, now he's an idiot again. I think it was because he told Baker nice things, and Baker likes to be told nice things. If um, not, he'll have a vendetta against you. So yep. he probably hates your guts. That's fine with Baker, me. Baker, you're my man. Yeah, no, he's... I put you in tier three, baby. Yeah, no, you're you're going in deep into tier five next year. Um, I'll tell you this, it made no sense in the first place. We know that he was a running joke the entire year. Absolutely. I don't even blame him. He should never have been in that spot in the first place. So we've said this all year. We've had our jokes. We've made fun of him. Let's talk candidates. Who do you think is the best fit for this job? Who wants this job? This team's in complete turmoil. And this... they held on to their GM, by the way. No. No, they did not. They, they fired let... him eventually? Yes. They let him go three days after. They uh, said they were not going to. Right. Yep. He's gone. Um, The thing with me with the Browns is... It doesn't matter if they have talent or none. They are a dumpster fire. And you right now have a quarterback who, from a personality standpoint, doesn't win you over. From a performance standpoint, doesn't win you over. You got Odell and Landry saying they want out, and then they say they want to stay because they have to. Uh, the most undisciplined group of guys. What What the fuck? Yeah, Dorsey, the GM. Yep. He, 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 was, he was let go. So... I don't know who wants this fucking job. Uh, McDaniels is interviewing. Uh, he's been on the record of saying he didn't want the job, but he's going to take the interview. I'd be surprised because well, it's musical it. chairs and it's the only right. one left. I don't know. I mean, they're still throwing out the name, and by there, I mean just you know any talking head in the you know Twitterverse, Lincoln wherever. Riley? No, Urban Meyer because of mm. Ohio State and Ohio guy. I, I mean, come on, is he an Ohio guy? Well, he coached at Ohio State. That was, he also coached at Florida. Right. So, you know, they're again, that's their comp. That's the closest thing you can go to. That's grasping for straws, in my opinion. I don't know what direction they're going in, my man. I, I just, I, I, somebody, whoever takes this job and, and wins this job is going to have to be the strongest, most level-headed guy because, 
there's a lot of egos to manage who haven't really earned the right to have the egos they have. Another point of uh, of uh, concern, they um, the Browns have said that they're not going to hire a GM until after the draft, which means that the head coach is going to have his pick in personnel through the draft, free agency trades, and also get to pick his own GM. That sounds ass backwards, my friend. Unless you hire a head coach and you give him complete... Att- you okay over there, Excuse buddy? Excuse me. No. Um, I'm just choking. Sip some of that coffee. Whew, that you was okay? rough. Yeah, we're doing all right. Unless you hire a head coach that has complete autonomy, that makes absolutely... Whatever. Let's move that on. That is to- the direction that teams are going in, though. You saw the Jets do that. I didn't think it was smart when they did it either. No, but that's... that's you know. And the thing was, though, the Jets did it in an even more asinine way because I believe the Jets had their GM do their draft and then fired him, if you don't remember. This team just doesn't have a right, GM. Right, but eventually Gase got to pick his GM, and that is the way that a lot of organizations are going because the head coach is so much more important than the GM used to be. And... uh that's just the they want basically organizations want them attached at the hip without the GM picking. They want the head coach picking the GM and and you know, maybe it works out. I don't know. But for this year the Cleveland Browns were everything that I loved about them. They were dysfunctional and they were bad and that yes. was that was fine for me. All right, let's move on to some college football quickly. We have a national championship. I believe you and I picked it correctly. We did. Um, it is the, the LSU Tiger Tigers versus the Clemson Tigers. Clemson's been here before recently. LSU hasn't been to the championship game, I guess you will say, since back in the Saban days, I believe. No, 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 no. They lost to uh, Saban in 2011. Oh, correct. Yes, yep. I'm sorry. Okay, so 2011 the la- the was the last, last time. Year, or the second to last year at the BCS. Yes. All right. So we'll recap the games. Oklahoma got absolutely smacked. By LSU. Anytime that a quarterback throws for seven touchdowns in the first half, that tells you all you need to know about that game. And I think Joe Burrow, if it wasn't in, if it wasn't sealed already, pretty much, especially with Tua with that injury, sealed his deal as the number one overall pick. Yes. To the Cincinnati Bengals, and then I, this game feels like it was a year ago, but um. Who played? The um, Ohio State uh, against Clemson. That game was a little bit closer. Yeah. But you know what? Trevor Lawrence, man, he did a good job bringing him back. He looked a little shaky at the beginning, but he did. He did a good job bringing him back. Both of the running backs in that game, now it's all coming back to me, looked electric. Yep. And Dobbins is probably the better of the two, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. he can run with a little bit more power, more between the tackles guy, more of an NFL running back. He's a first-round draft have, pick. You're not going to have that much space. Um, the other guy's name, A.N.T. or whatever, he's more of an in-space kind of guy. You don't have that much space Travis in the ATN, NFL. Yeah, yeah A.N.T., whatever. A.N.T., A.T.N. A.T.M., whatever you want to call them. Um, both of them were call great running name. backs. Um, and Clemson lost a big-time wide receiver in that game from what I remember, but they recovered well. Yeah, they did. Um, that was the, the heart of a champion right there because Ohio State – it looked like they were going to come out and take that game. Fields was making plays. The they controlled was on. Young pretty well, though. I they did. Say. Yeah, Chase Young didn't do a whole lot in this game. Um, he was much more, you know, impactful early, but his level of impact still wasn't great. Clemson has been there before, and and I, I guarantee you, Trevor Lawrence wanted no part of losing early 
in the national semifinal and letting Justin Fields come in and beat him. And it's they have a date for the national championship on Monday. We'll preview that game Monday next week. I think that's the better thing to do right before it. Um, but yeah, those were two. I mean, the first game was just so bad. And the national semifinal games last year were not good. I'm glad this game was good because you were talking about th- the previous three games between last year and the first one this year not even being competitive. Yeah, so we'll give that one a preview, what, on Monday, I'd say? Yeah, because it's the, the night game's of the game. going to follow it, yeah. Um, I'm going to take LSU early in that one, though. I think you have to, um, and and we predicted that, you know, both of us in this matchup before the playoff started. Um, I just think LSU is the better team, but... I mean, Dabo and, and Lawrence, they're not going to go down easy. And they have a couple of top 15 picks on that team that are going to, you know, make their make their presence felt. Question for you. Neither of this, this doesn't matter because Burrow's going out this year and Lawrence is next year. But we've seen them on full display on the national spotlight now all year. Who would you rather Trevor have Lawrence. in this game? Oh, in this game, Burrow. I think he's a better, I think he's a, more of a veteran quarterback. He's seen more. Um, he did play at Ohio State. He redshirted there, I believe. I think that he's going to win this game, more poised. But uh, if you're talking long-term, give me the raw talent of Trevor Lawrence. So what's I think the reason that Lawrence jumps that way for you more than this game? Because they are going head-to-head in this game. Because I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to make some mistakes in this game because he's still a young quarterback nonetheless. He's going to try and do too many things. More experience in big games, though. I, I do understand that, but Joe Burrow is like, I think Joe Burrow's older than you. I'm joking. <laughs> He's like 24. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence is 20, I think. So I think that may, I think that makes a big impact as well as him just being within a college program longer. And I obviously the reason why I take Trevor Lawrence in the long term when it comes to the next level, he's a much more talented quarterback. I think he's a generational quarterback. I think he's going to be the best quarterback to go into the draft, especially with Tua being hurt. Since Andrew Luck, the guy's got legs. He's got a big-time arm. He's also very accurate. He just makes silly decisions. And I think when you go up to the next level, that's what gets cleaned up after time, unless your name is Jameis Winston. I would agree with you that I'll take Lawrence, but it's closer than it was probably three, four, definitely you know, a couple months ago. Um Burrow, I just think Lawrence is a much better prospect. Well, yeah, I mean, th- th- again, the raw talent, sure, but I'll, I'll, I'll Lawrence, say, I put him there. I put him with Patrick Mahomes. You yeah. can't argue that. Did you see the run he had? Listen, I, mean, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. The reason that I'm struggling is because I watched Burrow a lot this year because I watched the SEC more than any other. And, you know, the talent level that he's going up against that's weekly is much better than anything Lawrence goes up. And that's not Lawrence's fault, but it is what it is. I'm watching Joe Burrow do things to defenses with his legs and his arm and making throws on angles and in windows that transcend hey here's a guy who redshirted went to another team developed and got good he's he's just so polished and fluid and in complete and utter command 
Of, I never said Joe Burrow offense. was going to be a bad quarterback. I mean, it, didn't say you did. I I'm think just, he could be a top ten quarterback in the NFL, but I think Trevor Lawrence could be the best quarterback. Yeah, in the I'm NFL. making the case for Burrow just because I I don't want it to go on sweep under the rug. I'll I'll take Lawrence just in this you know going forward, but in this game, I'd rather have Burrow. Me too. Yeah, I agree with you. I yeah. said that at the beginning. Yep. So, so I, I, I'm in agreement with you. But it is tough. It is not, not to as, mention. I'd rather have that LSU defense. Yeah, it's not. As, I mean, and, and listen, Clemson's defense is not bad either. No, nothing to take away from with that, Jeffrey but. Simmons at linebacker. But yeah, I mean, this team in 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 LSU just seems like you know they're a juggernaut. And Joe Brady, the OC, 30 year old OC there, who's made help make Burrow into this this dominant player. Don't be surprised if an NFL team desperately tries to get him as a coordinator or, or one of these new coaches looks up at him and is, looks down at him rather and says, "Hey, get the fuck up here and, and coach my young quarterback cuz goddamn is he does he know what he's doing." So last thing before we move on to Tua, this is a tough question for you because Alabama and Clemson have been going head to head for the last 3 years, right? 3-4 years. Yeah, it's been a long so time. So you must really not like them, obviously. You obviously don't like LSU. Who would you rather win this game? I want Coach O to get a dub, but I got no, I got no dog in the fight. That's a really good question. Uh, I know I'm CEO and I'm talented. <laughs> I'm the most talented here. Wow, don't know about that. Um, I guess if I had to pick a team, I'd rather see win. I, I'd probably go. I'd still probably go with Clemson because I love Dabo. And I, I listen. I respect Coach O. I respect that team, and, and yeah, Bama and LSU, the more traditional rivals. This Clemson team's been the rival in the playoff, but I don't know. I, I it, I'll probably still say I'd rather see Clemson win. Okay. All right. See, I gave you a good one there. All right. So last <clears throat> last thing for college football before we move on to. NBA, college basketball, we don't really have to talk right now. It still has yet to heat up. St. John's just lost by 20 to Georgetown. UConn's getting crushed. Yeah, we don't have shit to talk about. Um, so Tua decided to enter the draft. Uh, where do you think he goes? And how do you think he's going to How do you think he's gonna recover from this injury? Not surprised he went pro. There's absolutely no reason for him to take another snap in college. Um, I understand the injury concerns, not just this hip injury, but also, you know, the same injury on both ankles that's required surgery. To me, he's still a top 10 pick. I agree with you. I, I think just based off the pure arm talent, he's still just a top 10 pick. quarterback talent, you know. Because he can pass in the pocket. He's just the best of them. And, and he's fluid and he's mobile and he's just, All he's right. very Keep cerebral. Sucking Keep sucking him. Listen, he's cute. He is. He's uh, handsome. He's been one of the best quarterback Great personality. Listen, you've had teams. <laughs> yes, all of that is true. Um, he'll win everybody over with intangibles. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, his brother's on the team too, right? Yeah, Talia. Yep. Is he a quarterback? He is, but he might have to find a new home because the because Alabama just uh, recruited uh, Bryce Young, who Ooh. was the number one quarterback uh, prospect in the country that just committed to Alabama for next year. So. Um, listen, Tua, Tua's a guy that, to be fair, there's been a couple organizations that have intentionally tried to lose for the last two years to put themselves in the spot to draft him. Saw something flash up on Bleach Report the other day saying his medicals are, are really coming up good for where he is right now. He's not going to throw at the combine. He's not even going to have a pro day. 
to me, are you going to be the GM that passes on him if you need a quarterback? I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit took him at three. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami took him at five. That would make the most sense. Burrow's going to go number one just because of the health and also just the year he's had. You've got Indianapolis who would might might want him. The Chargers might want him. Jacksonville might want him. He's going to be drafted in the top 10. Even if he has to sit out the majority of his first year, again, you're just going off of pure talent and, and, and a guy that just, he could revolutionize the quarterback position if healthy. Are you going to be the GM that feels confident enough to say, not I'm me. not going to take Tua and take a guy like Justin Herbert ahead of him? I'm not doing that either. So I think he's a top 10 pick. You agree as well. I was not surprised by the decision, were you? Not at all. Not at all. Got to go get your money and don't risk getting hurt playing for free. Yeah, and I'm sure his agent real fast has probably told him plenty of times, don't worry. You're going to you're going to be drafted high. Saban probably told him you're going to be drafted high. The doctor's yeah. checked out. You're fine. All right, let's move on to our final topic of the day and that is the National Basketball Association. So, the Brooklyn Nets, my friend. Ouch. They're in the middle of a seven-game losing streak. Kyrie Silvert's on his way back. Um, yeah, he's played this, in two games. This Kyrie injury is weird. It was good to finally hear him talk on Saturday. Oh, uh, Kyrie talking? To the what? media. Uh, he's always talking. For the first time uh, to the actual Nets media since November when he when he uh, got hurt. Shoulder impingement, said he's had some bursitis in there, had a cortisone. Surgery's been recommended if the cortisone doesn't work. At this point, as the Nets are kind of in a free fall, I wrote my article. Check that out on SorrySports.com. If you haven't yet, I wrote about how significant this season was, even more so than last year. Last year was about getting, you know, setting a culture. Now you have the culture and the players. This season's about trying to decide who's going to be on this roster that's going to fill out the next two-year window of Durant and Kyrie healthy, presumably. And I think Dinwiddie's that. Other than that, to me, aside from DeAndre Jordan also, obviously, who's committed long-term, it's all open to interpretation. I could see the Nets deciding some guys are going to be dealt, some you're not going to re-sign in free agency. Who do you want to re-sign in free agency? It's a big deal. And right now, with a patchwork roster, as Levert's getting his way back off of thumb surgery and playing you know, on a, on a minutes restriction, this team is not a very talented team. And I picked them to be the three seed because I thought Kyrie was going to have an MVP type year. thought he was going to be healthy all year and have that really nice transition into Durant coming in next year. That's not been what's happened. Dinwiddie and Garrett Temple and Joe Harris, who were carrying this team without Kyrie, have just not been able to pick up the slack in the last seven games, starting with just an ass-kicking to your Knicks uh, the day after Christmas. Jared Allen hasn't taken the next step. That's upsetting to me. Um, the rest of the guys are just getting minutes that they shouldn't be getting. Garrett Temple shouldn't be playing 32 minutes a game, 34 minutes a game. It just is what it is. Um, they've lost some really tough games that they probably should have closed. They just don't have the ability to go to a guy and just score down the stretch. You know, They don't right now. And They were getting by earlier. Um, I think losing Amon Shumpert has hurt them since Wilson Chandler came back because he was a defensive player that was getting some perimeter lockdown defense. They don't have anybody doing that right now. This team's tough to watch, but 
you still have to watch him if you're a Nets fan because you want to look at some of the guys who are going to be around here for the next few years and, and are going to be the supporting cast to a KD Kyrie team the next two years. It was always about next year. It wasn't about this year as far as winning a title. But you obviously miss Kyrie. You wish he was playing. At this point, I would say, hey, listen, man, just shut it down. Just Have get, the surgery. Just get healthy. Shut it down. Be at the games. Be a, you know part of the team. Immerse yourself in in the system. Be as close with Atkinson as you possibly can, and have your input on some of the personnel. Listen, him and KD are going to be the reasons the Nets win if they do win. So, who are you identifying on this roster as guys that you think should be playing with you? I think trades are going to be wide open. Torian Prince has been a huge disappointment. Um, so you know. The, the, what's crazy is they'll still probably be a seven or eight seed this year because the East is so fucking awful. I mean, they've lost seven in a row. They're 16 and 20 and they're two and a half up on the eight seed right now. Wow. Like fucking Christ over Charlotte. But anyway, that's my take on the nets. Um, not the season I was hoping for, but again, it was never about this year. No, it wasn't my friend, but I mean, I kind of was right. I think I picked him as a seven seed. You know me, baby. The NBA is my thing. Just but you didn't the see all of these injuries. You didn't see I, Kyrie playing thir- 13 games. I knew he was going to get hurt. I didn't know it was going to be for this length of time, but Kyrie never plays a full season. And I, I just knew at some point they didn't have the personnel to do this. So, again, maybe Jared Allen gets dealt. I don't know. Again, we're talked injury prone. I think it's safe to say Karis LeVert is injury prone. He is. And that's so. another disappointment from this year. And, and listen, I think the Nets could be interested in maybe forming a big three and going to a team like Minnesota and inquiring about Cat and saying, hey, we'll offer, you, you know, we have Dinwiddie who, listen, I, between Dinwiddie and Levert, and I like them both, I think Dinwiddie is the more important one because he's the one that's proven to be healthy and he's a point guard who can make plays and still score in a second unit that's going to need, a, a, you know, some jolt. Karis Willevert, as much as I love him and as much talent as he has and as fun as he is when he's good, he is injury prone. He's hurt all the time. But if you can build a package, I don't know if Jared Allen's going to become that next guy. You know, maybe you send him Mason Plumley in the offseason. Start with a package of something like Allen and Torian Prince, who's you know, has some value still, even though he's had a rough year, and 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 Levert and some draft picks, Rodion's Kurooks, you know, guys like that. You know, you, you might want to start thinking about forming a big three because that might be the, the nucleus of this team might not be what what you thought it was going to be. Uh, but that's something, you know, that's going to be decided this summer. All right. Let's talk about the other team in New York. Um, I do want to get your take on this because we really haven't talked about them since Mike Miller's taken over. Same old shit. Different day. Julius Randle's still taking too many shots. Um as well as Marcus Morris, they're both playing too many minutes, especially together. Um, the only positive bright spot I have seen, aside from R.J. Barrett, who's been a bright spot all year in my opinion, Nilakina is starting to knock down shots, and he's starting to develop an offensive game. And unless the price is right, I really hope they don't get rid of him because I'm really liking what I see. Knox still been the ultimate disappointment. I think that guy's got way too much talent to be held back. But again, if he did have too much talent and he was playing too well to be held back, it'd be a Michael Porter Jr. situation and they'd be playing him. So I'd like to see him play a little bit more. They're playing for absolutely nothing. But right now I'm focused on the trade deadline and 
I really want picks. I know I saw a Bleacher Report today that the Knicks want starters. What do you guys want starters for? Seriously. Take back some expirings and take those picks, please. It's not about this year. Morris is the first to go. There's a ton of teams interested in him. He's having probably his best and most consistent year in the league this year. Granted, he's probably getting the most touches and whatnot, but still. There's a playoff team that can use him. Please, please, please trade him. I think they will. Um even though he's come out and said he doesn't want to be traded, which I don't give a shit. Exactly. Like what A, what is he gonna say? And B, yeah, he's having a lot of fun getting his buckets this year. What do you think of Mike Miller as a coach? Because you gotta you've gotta be sincere. They have played harder and they have played better. Yeah, I just don't like his rotations, but again, that could be coming from somewhere else. So given what I think he has control of, I, I like to I like the way the team's playing harder for him. How long that will last, I don't know. That's fair. Because at the beginning of last year, they played hard for Fizdale as well. So maybe it's just a new voice in the room. Quiet people down, get people together. We'll see. Give me a couple takes from around the league. Let's start in the West. Um, what are you thinking about the top end of the West? AD's going to miss a few games. I still think the Clippers are the best team in basketball. Um, they could use one more wing guy that can bang a three and play a little bit of defense. Aside from that, again, I think that they are going to win the NBA Finals. They're more poised for... The championship. Looking at the other side of the Staples Center, the Lakers look like the best regular season team in basketball. LeBron is playing way too much, in my opinion. These games don't matter, and it does not matter as long as you guys are a top four seed. You know you're probably going to be in the conference finals, so why is LeBron playing 36, 37, 38 minutes a game? It doesn't make any sense. But with that being said, I'm not a Lakers fan, so I don't care. They are a ton of fun to watch. Denver's starting to turn it on. You were right about them. Denver is starting to turn it on. I picked Jokic. They are in the two seed right now, currently constituted. I picked Jokic to win the MVP. He got off to a slow start. Listen, no disrespect to my boy, the Joker. You're welcome on the pod anytime, but he looked a little chunky to start the year. He's gotten himself into shape. He had 47 on the Hawks a couple days ago. He's looked a hell of a lot better. They're another team that could use one more offensive piece, and I think they have the guys to move around to – to get it, Jerry and Grant has been a great addition for them defensively, and he's an explosive player. He can knock down a three here and there, but he can't create any offense. And again, Jamal Murray is not taking that step forward. He's still up and down. The biggest disappointment in the Western Conference for me has probably been Portland. Because, I mean, you look at the Pelicans. They have had some bad injuries, though, with McCollum and Lillard. They have had some bad injuries, but again, those guys are still playing consistently. I mean, they've been out in and out here and there, but that team should be a lot better than they are. Another disappointment big time is the Utah Jazz. Yeah, that was my number one, and God, they suck. Yeah, they are terrible. Conley's almost to the point where he's unplayable. I think they would trade Conley for Rubio back to Phoenix in an absolute heartbeat. Um, And then just obviously Luka is lighting up the league, and – there's two Pelicans down there that look pretty good right now from the Lakers. And that is Lonzo Ball, who's been playing incredibly since he came back from injury. And Ingram's been having a great year the entire year. Yeah, and, and now Zion looks like he's a couple. He should be back by, they said, the end of January. So I'm going to say the beginning of February. Yeah, he's doing five-on-fives and was at a shoot-around today. So that's he also big... dunked flat-footed between the legs. So. Yeah, so that's a big step for him um, and for them. Yeah, the Luka thing too, I'm sure this bothers you as well. 
he's getting the credit he deserves, but it's a year too late. He was you great and, last you year. You and I were were so ahead of the game on Luca, and it's just like you clowns that are finally acknowledging how great he is. He was so great last year, and he was great in Europe. Everybody knows he was the best prospect. Stop it! Stop it! You're mm-hmm. you're 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 trying to make up for lost time that you know people smarter than you already were were ahead of. So looking over to the Eastern Conference, a big time disappointment is the Detroit Pistons. Derek Rose is really the only bright spot on that team. I think Andre Drummond is poised to be moved. Where's a good spot for him? Uh, I heard Atlanta was talking about him. That'll be a fun pick and roll with him and Trey Young, who, by the way, speaking of Luka, they'll forever be tied together, is probably an all-star this year as well. I think he's averaging 29 points a game, and he's a revolutionary passer as well. So I- I'm really happy with what I see from Trey Young. Toronto's hanging around. Yeah. Um they're they're still right up there. Boston looks pretty good when everybody's healthy. You know who looked good a couple nights ago? It was Markel Fultz. He had twenty five points. Against my Philly nets. gave him up for a bag of basketballs, probably deflated basketballs that had a hole in them. But Philly's just that team that makes no sense. Still. Tobias Harris makes no sense on this team, nor does Al Horford. No. And it it, it doesn't make sense to me. You got him as insurance for Joel Embiid, yet you're playing Joel Embiid. We're in situations like where he dislocated his finger. Probably should have been out for the rest of the game. He is out for the game tonight. Yet he, you say like, like he gutted it out, okay? But like you went out and got Al Horford, so he didn't have to gut things out because he's so fragile of a player. No offense to him, but no, yeah, talk I mean, about injury prone for sure. And and that's a good point by you about Horford and Harris. I mean, they don't seem to really fit and and be good it, players individually. Great players and and, and you know. And Pete had a little shade, you know, talking about how, you know, they don't really have a half-court game and, and they need to be able to score more. Oh, I wonder and that who was that about, right. shade is thrown yeah, out. Yeah, obviously Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. And, and this team is a soap opera that we love to talk about. Everybody in the NBA loves to talk about it because they'll never get boring due to their personalities and just, you know, whether they tap into any of that potential. I mean, we saw them just destroy um, – they just destroyed Milwaukee on Christmas Day. And it, it's so tantalizing because you're thinking this is what this team should be. This is what they could be. And they just never do it consistently. So that's frustrating if you're a Philly fan. But, yeah, they are they are a team that just doesn't fit. And we said that they should be the best team in the East I tell you one thing. They're still twenty four and fourteen. Oh yeah, they're listen. They're very good. They're just not what they thought they should be. But and they're still working out kinks. Who knows? Maybe it gets figured out. Um, Milwaukee's fucking good, and obviously Giannis is the best player in the world. But I gotta be. I gotta tell you, Chris Middleton's impressed me this year. I still don't know if okay. they can win with title with him being the second best player on that team. But he's had a very nice year. I still think they'll miss Brogdon in the playoffs, but as of right now, they don't. They're coasting through this Eastern Conference. I know Miami slowed down a little bit. Are they are they a real challenging team in the East, or will they fade away by the end of the year and be a first-round exit? No, I think Miami's going to go on to the second round. I think this Eastern Conference is really weak. Um, and Jimmy Butler is just a dog. And I think they have a really good team. They got done down there. I really like uh, Hero. They're... Their rookie, Tyler Harrow. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Drogic is a very, very smart basketball player, not to mention Bam. 
I still think that's a good team, and I would take them against a lot of the other teams. And here. that guy Duncan has come out of nowhere. Yeah, and been good. Oh, from Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Duncan Robinson, I believe you're yeah, talking about. Right. Yep. Um, and then another team that I'm interested in because they've they've just been they've done more than treading water. The Indiana Pacers are 23 and 14, and Nolan Depot just announced he's going to be back soon. Brogdon's been playing really well, and. They literally stole T.J. Warren from the Phoenix Suns. Now, the Phoenix Suns, it doesn't look that bad because Kelly Oubre, who's basically T.J. Warren, has taken a major step forward. But this guy can shoot it inside. He's strong. He can shoot it outside. He can defend one, two, and three, possibly even four. He's been a great player for them this year. I really like him. Me too. Um, We like that trade, and we also really loved the Brogdon signing. Yes, and it's they, he's both, been borderline all star level. Both of them have been even better than our expectations, and they were high anyway. Sabonis so has been playing great as well. Yep, and uh, Turner is doing what he can do. And you know what? I watched a couple games on NBA TV. He's starting to stretch it out to where he's knocking down the long ball. Grand scheme of things, I think Turner at his best is what you hope Jared Allen becomes. I think that's a really good comp. Thank you. As far as, yeah, I mean, what you aspire for him to be. Shot blocker that can knock down a shot, run the pick and roll. Yep, and we know Jared Allen can run the pick and roll. Uh, CG, um, yeah, I mean, Turner does that about as well as as, as about as well as any big man who, who can also shoot. Um, yeah, you got to be impressed with the Pacers. Uh, they've, they've just, and that's a really good, that's a really good coach team too, so they'll always be in position and now with Oladipo coming back i mean they the, the best thing for them with the record that they have and how the, the way they've been playing is they can let him be on a minutes restriction and really don't have to push him they can really let him play it at, at a controlled rate at which he should be playing so that you know he's ready to come playoff time and more importantly just ready for the future because who knows what the east has in store Nobody really knows. Very top-heavy league. Very top-heavy, and a lot of things can change, you know, between what the Nets could be the next two years and what the Bucks are going to be and, you know, what the Raptors are going to end up being. And you've got the Celtics and the Sixers. Who knows what that crazy concocted team is going to end up being heading forward. So, yeah, it's fun. Um, Last question for you before – I mean, we have a month-plus before the deadline, but – Kevin Love had a bit of an outburst this weekend. Oh, my weekend. God. It's crazy. I was actually just going to say, what would you think of the Kevin Love situation? Yeah, he apologized for it. Same wavelength. Um, where do you see him going? Because I think it's obvious he's getting moved, right? I just can't possibly imagine him staying there. He doesn't want to be there, and it's in the Cavs' best interest to get anything they can for him. No doubt in my mind he gets moved, being that I think the Jazz used all their chips um, and they just traded for Jordan Clarkson. That was going to be a big-time destination, as well as Portland. But I think with Melo there, he kind of, I don't want to say fills that role, but they'd have to give up a lot to get Kevin Love and mm-hmm. to match up the, the contracts. Shit, I, I, I really don't know where he where he would go. I'm a lot sure of people are saying Phoenix. Uh, you know, that was the team that crossed my mind, maybe a veteran in there, because... Kevin Love isn't frustrated because he's not getting enough touches. Keep in mind he played with he played third fiddle to LeBron and Kyrie. This guy just wants to win, period. And the reason why he was so frustrated was because Colin Sexton was dribbling the ball, not running a play basically, waiting so long for it to develop to the point where the shot clock went down to like 
six, and Kevin Love was like, let's fucking run this play. On top of that, too, Kevin Love was being guarded by a guy who was six inches smaller than him. Yes. So the mismatch was there, just feed him in the post. Exactly. And and I could see the frustration. I could see why, you know, we were were excited for that beeline head coaching signing or whatever you want to call it at the beginning. Clearly, it's not going as well as it did. Um, I, I think maybe a team like Phoenix or one of those teams that's on the cusp of the playoffs that has some assets to give up is going to be the team that takes him because these upper echelon teams just don't have the assets or the cap space to give up for him. No, it, it's a tough, tough spot for him because he, he can't go to one of those ready. What about your teams. netters, huh? No, uh, the Nets... The Nets aren't going to do anything crazy in season. I mean, they're going to let this probably if they do anything, they'll move they'll they'll acquire a guy like maybe an Alec Burks or something, another shooter who who can who can get hot and space the floor. Just knowing this team, if they didn't make any moves last year, cuz you got to believe by the deadline, they knew that they had a, they had momentum, they were playing well and they were going to be a playoff team or at least fighting for one, and they didn't do anything to jeopardize their future. Now their future is clearer than ever. They know they're getting Kyrie and KD, and they have a window of at least two years. It's now about finding out who are... You know what? I take that back. One thing I could see, I could see them moving a guy like Joe Harris, who I love, but he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's up for a big payday because he's had a a really nice year. And if you don't think you're going to re-sign him, get a draft pick for him. Because right now the Nets don't have their pick. They have Philly's pick. So that's going to be in the 20s. So, but as far as a big time move, they're not going to trade Allen, Dinwiddie, Lavert, any of those guys in season. Kevin Love is not the answer for the Brooklyn Nets. He doesn't fit really with what KD and Kyrie are. You know, a four who can shoot threes. But you know, this Nets team with Kenny Atkinson system, they run. They're not a feed the post kind of team. And uh, Kevin Love does not fit that game plan, and I don't think they want to take on. Although the when South. it comes to running, he's probably one of the greatest outlet passers of all time. He is, but, but I don't think run. they want to take on that kind of salary. No, it's that's that's tough sell because that contradicts every other thing that they've done. I, if we make a move, it's going to be a small one for the Knicks. Obviously, it, it's unloading some of these stars. But hey, Jeez. man, we've got about five weeks before the deadline to talk about it. So. Um, I don't know how active this trade deadline is going to be, but there's going to be some big names moved. I don't know, to be honest with you. I think Kevin Love might be the the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the big names. I don't think Chris Paul's going anywhere. The Thunder are in the thick of it in the playoff race, so they're actually the seventh seed right now. And unless they can get what they want for him, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I mean, I don't really know what other, aside from Kyle Kuzma, I don't really know what other stars are going to get traded. I mean, Drummond and Drummond and Love are going to be the biggest guys this year. You're not going to see a Jimmy Butler no esque trade or or anybody that huge this year. I just like to see a trade period. It's been super quiet. It has been. And you're going to be looking. We'll you're going to want to look more at the buyout guys. I think. Yeah, those are Iguodala too. Is Memphis really going to be able to get anything for him? Maybe late second round. Who That's knows? Tough. Who the hell knows? We're going to have to see again. We got a couple weeks coming up. But we are back, my friend. We are back back in business. Yes, Um, sir. Go ahead and check out SorrySports.com to see Sean's most recent article about his Brooklyn Nets. Um, And he's going to be writing a new article about Eli Manning. I'm not. Titled Tears on the Keyboard. No. 
I won't a story be writing, of Eli Manning and my connection. I won't be writing anything about I might that. Write it, I might write it with Sean's voice coming through me mm. or Sean's words coming through me onto the keyboard. You know what the real um, sad thing is? Is that, that you don't ever have a player that you can look at and be like, yeah, that was a really good time when we won Super Bowls with that guy. Joe Namath. Yeah, Joe Namath is 75 years old. Still kicking, baby. Oh, well, that's Still the, trying that's to make the our damn reports. truth. Yep. Love it. All right, everybody. Well, have a good weekend. Enjoy the playoffs, and we'll be back on Monday. Take care, guys.